you, these are basic principles that every new Christian should know as a foundation to their faith. One of the reasons why we have such a great falling away from the church, aside from the prophecy that in the end times that there would be a great apostasy, a great falling away from the church, is that pastors have failed to teach sound doctrine. Ephesians chapter 14, chapter 4, verse 14 tells the church that Christ has placed into the body gifted teachers and preachers to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry so that you no longer be like infants who are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So what I'm teaching you today, I've seen it. I've actually been discipled myself. I didn't know I was being discipled. Uh, I know that Alpha um, uh, Worship Center has been tremendous in discipleship. I don't know if they called it that, uh, but they did it. And uh, Christian Stronghold is a, is a great, one of the reasons why that church is still successful. And even with all that's going on with Alpha, the reason it still is sustained is because of their discipleship ministry. And so I don't know how much longer the Lord is going to have me here in terms of you can call me home tomorrow, but I want my legacy to be that I taught my church how to make disciples that make disciples. So there's nothing uh, super theological or complex about what I'm going to teach you, but this is the way we're going to do it here. So, and I'm going to give you this tool that, unfortunately, today, as much as uh, Sister Cheryl Price and uh, Walter tried to help me get this e-booklet e, uh, uh, sent to you, we just couldn't do it today. So by next Sunday, Lord willing, everybody will have this e-book that I have. I have, uh, this, is the fin this is actually not the finished product, but it's going to look like the finished product. And you will get it emailed to you. And as we're going through the questions, you'll be able to type the answers on your computer, on your laptop. And uh, what you are learning, I intend for you to take it and as God directs you to individuals who want to learn how to go in Christ, you will use the same material, send it to them. They can type the answers in as you're walking through the scriptures with them. And once they learn, then they can take the same material and teach somebody else. And before you know it, we're making disciples. Uh, that make disciples. So you've got a handout, and the first uh, lesson is uh, I'm just going to highlight some things, and then we'll, we'll drill down on others. But you should have, um, I think in your handout, is that lesson one? Yes. Okay, and what's the title of that lesson? Okay, that's what's on the front page. Can, can I get a copy of that? Do we have any extra copies? Okay, thank you. All right, so I got one. All right, thank you. And again, many hours have been uh, devoted to putting this together. really want to thank Sister Cheryl, who is just a... Amazingly gifted sister in our church, um, she is, and I had no idea <laughs> that a lot of these things that I ended up having to redo again and again, uh, if I had started with her, it would have saved a lot of time. So you have the introduction. Here are the eight court classes that we're going to cover uh, during the six weeks that I have with you. Um, and thank Dr. Vaughn for graciously adjusting to allow... Um, this to occur, but we're going to get finished in six weeks. First is going to be on discipleship. What is discipleship? Lesson two is going to be start at the beginning. That's the assurance of salvation. Uh, talk to the commander, uh, teaching people how to pray effectively, how to study the Bible, uh, uh, giving some, some specific instructions on how to do inductive Bible study. Now, all of this, this is the foundation. The next step from this class, when we get the Biblical Academy going, we're working on it, 
is we'll have Bible, basic Bible doctrine, survey of the Old and New Testament, inductive Bible study, the, uh, theology of uh, uh, theology 101, et cetera, eschatology. All those courses will be built on top of this one. But this is the, the, the beginning for how to make disciples. Uh, temptation, fight the urge, uh, swing the bed, how to share your faith, evangelism, uh, spiritual gifts, use what you have. And then the final uh, chapter is going to be, uh, the lesson's going to be give God his first on tithing, teaching people how to tithe. We were taught how to tithe. People coming into church today is taught how to feel good. Ain't he all right? <laughs> and then we just start biblically illiterate. And, and that's why uh, is being allowed in the church. So the focus uh, on page four, focus on the fundamentals. And the key passage for discipleship is taken out of uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. But I'm going to focus on the, the beginning of the verse. It says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And here it is. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. That's what discipleship is. The things that you have received from us We've given it to you so that you can teach faithful people to learn what you've been taught so that they can, in turn, teach others. Uh, we have a survey, the introduction there, and this is just a part of when you're talking to somebody and they're a new Christian and you, you go through uh, the, the issue of uh, what are the most important decisions that people will make in their lives, and that's just kind of getting, whetting their appetite for um, what really should matter is not the temporal, but the eternal. And so um, that's what the introduction there focuses on. Um, and now moving to lesson one. What is a disciple? What, or what is discipleship? What I left out, and you might want to write this down, when we do get the finished product, this will be the definition of discipleship that we use. Discipleship means to intentionally equip believers with the word of God, to intentionally equip believers with the word of God through accountable relationships, accountable relationships, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in order to replicate faithful followers in Christ. Now, that author is unknown, but I'm going to go over that again. Intentionally equipping believers with the word of God. If it's not the word of God, it's not Christian discipleship. We call it, in secular context, mentoring. We're not, this is not mentoring. This is helping people to become like Jesus. So intentionally equipping believers with the word of God through accountable relationships. So discipleship that is biblical will be based on meaningful relationships where there's mutual accountability, where people are expected to do what they say, and then we lovingly correct when necessary and to encourage when necessary. So it is accountable relationships. One of the things that is happening in churches too, there's no accountability. People don't care how you live. <laughs> Just as long as the building is full and the coffers are getting replenished. That's not our, our stance here at, the, at New Direction. Here's the third part of that. Through, in, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the othermost parts of the world. Discipleship starts with evangelism in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, except God draws them, they will not come. The Spirit of God must draw a person. So I, under the power, under the leading of the Holy Spirit, I share the good news. 
Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the euangelion, the good news concerning Christ, because it is the dunamis of God unto salvation. There's power in the gospel because the Holy Spirit that we've received is released when it's shared. So when I tell people the good news, and I'm relieving because some plant others water, but who? But God gives what? He gives the increase. So when I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit and I'm sharing the gospel, the seeds will be sown and lives will be touched and changed in order to replicate faithful followers of Christ. So discipleship really is never finished because we're all being discipled. But you, you are not finished the discipleship process with someone until you've taught them how to make disciples. Until they're doing that, you're not finished with them. Someone has said evangelism without discipleship is an abortion. You've left the baby to survive on its own. And often that's the equivalent of what happens when people join the church. They join the church and they're just sitting in the pew and nothing happens. And there's a small window of opportunity to reach people today. And if we don't grab them through personal relationships through for discipleship, they leave the church, and many of the people that I bury, that I that I funeral, that I do their services, they don't, they don't belong to nobody's church, because no one ever mathetates them. The word discipleship. They never became woke learners and students. Okay, now let's move on. So we got our definition right, and so how is discipleship done according to the scriptures? Uh, somebody want to read? Uh, John chapter 17, verses 20 through 21. And this is what we want in the process. When we're discipling somebody, we want them turning to the scriptures. That's how you learn your way around the Bible. And yes, they can use their cell phone, <laughs> but we want them to own a Bible. And we want them turning pages. Okay, so John chapter 17, verses 20 through 21, if you have that stand. Okay, that you stopped at verse 21? Yes. Okay, so when you get an opportunity to kind of dig deeper into that verse, Jesus basically says three essential things that would allow people to know that he really existed. If discipleship stopped with Jesus, he would simply be a historical character. The church would not have continued. In Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus says, I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The way he builds his church, his ecclesia, the called out ones, is through discipleship. And here he says three things, basically, three essential things that are required in making discipleship of disciples. He says, reach, that they will tell others. So that's evangelism, right? So the first thing that is necessary for evangelism that we reach, make a list of people with whom you can share what it means to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. So that's the first, the, the most likely people to have access to the unsaved are people who just got saved. So when they get saved, the first thing you want to ask them, make a list of the people you swung with, the people you hung with. And, and, and then they become uh, the individuals that we want to, that they can reach. The second thing is to teach. See, so Jesus says that they may take the message that I taught them and teach it to others in, John, in that same John passage. And the question is, what did Christ instruct his followers, followers to teach non-Christians? What did Jesus tell the disciples to teach in Matthew chapter 28? We said, go into all the world, do what? Preach the gospel, teaching them to what? Observe what? Whatever we feel like talking about. 
talking about the Eagles today at 4.30. All the things that I have taught you. So what we want to teach disciples that we are developing in Christ is what Jesus has said in, his, in the word. So we want to reach them to teach them. And he says the goal is to repeat what was being so that so that what that when they reach based on what they've been taught and they teach it to others, the result will be those who hear it will receive it and share it. So the three aspects of discipleship is reaching, teaching, and repeating. That's our goal for discipleship. And there's the scriptures. Um, now, why must we make disciples? Uh, Jesus commands us to. So I'm going to go through the list here, and you can fill in the blanks. Again, giving you the practice of what I would have, what I expect for people that you're discipling to do. Here's what's interesting. When, you, when, when, when a man gets the first thing he wants to learn about is, is eschatology, doctrine of future things. You know, he want to, and, 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 and women want to learn about relationships. They want to do about how-to stuff. No, start here. Start here. And so why should we make disciples? Jesus came and he spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to what? Observe all the things I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the earth. There are at least five reasons why all believers should be disciple makers. First of all, we have the capacity to make disciples. You have the capability of doing it. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be an elder. You don't have to be a seminary graduate, a Bible graduate. Jesus says, all the authority in heaven has been given unto me. And so the authority that we need, Jesus promised, the capacity says you shall be because you have the Holy Spirit. So the reason you should do it is because you have the capacity to do it. Say, I've got the capacity. I got the capability. I can do it. Amen. You also have been commanded to make disciples. Jesus said, what? Go. Is it optional? Is it something that we need to discuss and come to an understanding about? It's an imperative. Now, again, interactively, I would ask, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but who are you discipling? Who are you discipling? And one of the hardest, heaviest things on my heart, the busier I am, I don't want anybody to slip through the cracks. I care. I care about the flock that God has given me responsibility shepherding on. The good news is that a lot of you care, too. <laughs> and when I'm thinking things are slipping through the cracks, they're not. People are, are visiting and so forth. But there are young ladies who don't know how to be women. It, it, it's, so I, we've got, we got some very seasoned saints in, the, in this body, and so there are women in the church that you could pray about and say, maybe this is somebody I can work with. Maybe they would be open to that. So it's commanded. It's also you have a cause for, for making disciples. Therefore, or since Christ rose from the dead, just as he promised, people need to know about Christ. Therefore, there's, we have a cause. The church has lost its direction because we have drifted away from our cause. We are here to, Jesus said, I have come, I didn't come to be served, but I've come to seek and to serve. And then he says, I am going to away, but, away, but while I am away, do my business until I come. What was the business of Christ? I have come to seek and to save. That's the business of the church. It is our responsibility to reach the lost, not to have a holy huddle. Jesus said, I'll make you fishes of men, not keepers of the aquarium. Thank God for the pandemic. I'm sorry for the million people that died, but one of the things that the pandemic did that was good, it forced the church out of its comfort zone. And my greatest fear for the church since the pandemic is that we don't learn anything from it. Our, our live stream is as essential to our 
existence. If it wasn't for the live stream, I don't know. Where would we be uh, two years out? That kept us going. That kept us real. A church that doesn't have a voice on, uh, uh, in, in, tech, in the world of technology today has given up its right to be heard. We want to get better at it, just like we want to get better at making disciples. Here's another one. You also have a curriculum. We got a curriculum. You don't have to make it up. He says, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. That's our curriculum. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? And here's the fifth thing. We have the confidence of his presence. So when I'm going, I don't have to go in fear. I don't have to be hesitant because Jesus says, lo, I am with you. How long? And how long is always? Always. <laughs> He's with us forever. So I can go in confidence as I'm discipling others. You need to answer the question because we will stand before Almighty God, each one of us going down. Did you obey this commandment to make disciples? Who are you discipling? Who are you discipling? We're so busy trying to get ours. Our praise on. We got our praise on. Oh, Lord, then we can have church. And then you go home and forget about church and say, oh, come back and get another little fix. Ooh, yeah, praise God. And the devil don't care about that. What the devil cares about is what we're learning today. Uh, we started the bondage breaker on Wednesday night. Every time I teach about Satan and it's a hold on the church, something happens. That's why you need to be on this prayer line. We need to be crazy praying. Somebody walked up in here on Wednesday night with a computer, and he's walking up front. Let me tell you how thirsty. So we were able to shut that down, thank God. But expect the enemy to try to do whatever he can to keep you from learning how to be a disciple maker. Don't be afraid. Be encouraged. Because greater is he is in who? In me than he that is in Amen, amen, amen. Somebody said that like they know what they were talking about. Now, here are the habits of a disciple maker. These things should be true of you. Um, characteristics. Jesus said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, follow me. Or Paul says, follow me as I what? So you ought to be a role model. You don't have to be perfect, but you need to be a role model. One of the most embarrassing things happened to me um, two times. I was somewhere I shouldn't have been, but I was so, so in my flesh, confident in what I knew, I decided to take uh, a Muslim on. I was going to show him why he was so wrong. By the time that brother got finished with me, I almost converted to Islam. <laughs> it was humbling. I was, again, doing something that I shouldn't be doing in um, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. I used to have Jehovah's Witnesses come to my house. They are disciple makers. Yes. They are. Yes. They don't care about the weather. They're going to be there with their uh, Living World Translation. They're going to be telling you there are 29 different versions of the Baptist, and if there are 29 different versions, they can't be all correct. And if they aren't correct, then how can you trust them? And da, da, da. And I mean, they sound very convincing, but something my spirit always said, there's something wrong with this. But they never stopped coming. And one day they came, and I felt was feeling a little good about myself, even though I was very much living in sin. And she asked me the question. I said, well, Jesus is coming back. She said, Yeah. She said he came back already in 1948. That's what Jehovah's Witnesses teach, that Je Jesus returned and he came back for the 144,000 because they taught that he was coming back for everybody. And when he didn't come back, then they changed the story and said, well, 144. So, and they're already with him. So he didn't come back for them. They're already with him. And every, nobody's going to heaven but the, but the elect. And the, we're going, the rest of us are going to live on paradise earth. And so I said, well, she said, if he's coming back, Who's going to see Jesus? And I said, everybody. She said, what about the blind? <laughs> I mean, that just threw me. That just, that just, I was like, oh. And you know, I, I kind of figured it out later that if Jesus can heal blind Bartimaeus, and the scripture says every eye shall see him, even those who slither, I kind of believe what Jesus said. 
Okay, so he's capable. If he can reconfigure people that die and go back to the dust and they be translated and corruption becomes, if he can do that, surely he can make every eye see him. But when you're in your flesh, like I was, I got school. So you want to be a role model. We want to be a role model. We also want to be open, connect with people. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says what? We all have what? And we will be what? Is that always true? Or was it only true when we got saved? We will always be sinners saved by grace. And so one of the things that I do whenever I give the invitation, and I use Romans 3.23, I'll say, all have sinned, that includes me. So in terms of connecting with people, you want them to know I'm not perfect. I'm still growing. Uh, we want to also know their faces. And read the, if you read Psalm 34, verses 15 through 20, it says that the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. And it's like God gives us his personal attention. He pays attention, and he listens to hear when we cry. And after he's heard us, the Bible says, then he delivers us out. But he doesn't deliver us until he hears, and he doesn't hear until he pays attention. And so we're so significant to God, who is a God of the universe, and every, all of the billion people in the world, he knows every hair that falls off of your head. He knows, he captures every tear that rolls down your cheek. So God is aware. So in order to disciple people, you need to know their face. You need to be, a, you need to take time to really get to know them. And so it's not, this is not just restricted to an in-class formal setting. It's taking people out to eat. It's bringing them over to your house. So uh, we want to know their faces. We want to be acquainted with them. We want to know facts about them. We don't want to judge people ahead of time. Uh, and, and jump to conclusions about where people came from. I, I, I keep always say, I'm from the hood, I'm from the hood, and I am. But God never allowed the hood to be in me. He protected me from that. But what I experience becomes a part of what I can share. And so when we, when we are getting facts about people, that means we know where they came from, how they became who they are, so that's, that's a part of the discipleship process. Uh, know how people feel, what their, what their fears are like, what their dislikes are like. Uh, allowing people to be honest. The Bible says, faithful are the words of a friend. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Uh, too often, we create an environment where we, want, we don't let people be transparent and honest. We want people to be able to be honest, okay? Uh, know people's fears, their, what they believe, what they honestly believe. Uh, be intentional uh, so you can make it happen. So if you tell people you're coming, you're going to come, you're going to give them a time, you're going to tell them what you're going to cover, and you're going to have them prepare in advance. And so we want to be intentional. We want to be prepared. Um, we want to be challenging. Uh, the goal is to move people beyond just being hearers of the word. We want people to be appliers of the word. I don't want you to be impressed with me in the pulpit. I want you to be impacted by the word of God in such a way that it changes your life. I want to be the kind of preacher where you hear the voice of God when I'm preaching, that you sense that the anointing of God is on my life, not because I'm important, but because the presence of God, something happens when this word is open. That's what I want. You may not, I don't care if you remember my name, but what I do care about is God is doing something this morning. Wow, look at God, look at God. And so we want to be intentional, we want to be prepared, we want to be challenging, and we want to be, as I was already shared, the Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 6, confess your sins one to another and you will be healed. And then the rest of that verse says, and the fervent, effectual prayers of the righteous have what? availeth much. But the beneficial prayers of the righteous are not active in terms of receiving the favorable result unless you're confessing your sins one to another. So we want to be transparent. Uh, I really believe that 
everything that a person is struggling with, and we all are struggling with something, is that right? Uh, it's not something that you have to tell the church if you're working with them, if they're working on it. The only time that you need to reach out for help is when you know that somebody's not getting better. Amen? So other, other than that, the Bible says you're going to them in private with the idea of reconciliation and, and helping them reach uh, the level of maturity. Are we still doing good? So we're going to finish with this. Start at the beginning. So once you get to the preliminaries, as you know what your qualifications ought to be, we are understanding what a disciple is and why we do it and how we have the capability, now you're going to that individual and we're starting at the beginning. Now, <clears throat> who led you to Christ? Somebody did. Yeah. Um, a Sunday, Sunday school teacher led me to Christ. When I was sending my kids to Sunday school, I wasn't going to Sunday school. And they came and visit us and in my kitchen, I was led to Christ by him and his wife. Okay, but was that Christian Union? Yes. Okay, yes. amen, amen. Who was, a, who was a Sunday school teacher? Um, he was a deacon, deacon, George Jenkins. De George, I know George Jenkins. His wife was a piano player. Yes. Amen. Jenkins. She's 100 years old now. I, she was? She's still living. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. George passed away. He did, yes. yep. Yes. Yep, so we, I pastored her church. <laughs> yeah, amen. So... Sunday school teacher, who led you to Christ? Some of you said, yes, sister. Okay, okay. Was it during a church service? Okay, okay. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Okay, amen, amen. Yes. Acquaintance, okay. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Yes. yes. Your mother, mother and sisters from the church or your mother? Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Oh, oh, okay. Someone who was out in the community sharing the gospel. Anybody else? What does it mean to be a Christian? Change your life. Are Jehovah's Witnesses, would they say their lives have been changed? Would Muslims say their lives have been changed? So what's the distinction? It literally means to be a follower of Christ. But how do you become a follower of Christ? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So it, we all know it, but we want to be clear that becoming a follower of Christ means that you accept the good news concerning Christ. That's what we call the gospel. All right, somebody read verses 2 through 5. 1 Corinthians. By which also you are saved. And the word saved means to be, to be set apart from sin. Okay? So saved means to be rescued, delivered, set apart from sin. Okay? The power, the penalty, the guilt, and ultimately the very presence of sin. So let me say that again. It means to be delivered, rescued from the power, the penalty, and the guilt, and ultimately the presence of sin. That's what it means to be saved. Okay. And now we're going to show in this passage of Scripture how we get saved. Stop right there. Christ 
Did what? Died what? Four or two? According to the scriptures. Okay. So he's this word that you delivered. If you hold fast, stay there. That the first thing is you believe that Christ died for our sins. That We call that substitutionary atonement. He took our place. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that through his death we would become the righteousness of God. So he took our place. First thing is Christ died for our sins. Isn't that great handwriting? Right, what's, the, what's the second thing? Okay, second part. Christ was buried. All right? According to resurrection. Okay, according to the scriptures. Okay. And that he was seen by Cephas. Witnessed, okay. And 500 others. And then by the 12. 12. 500 others were actually in the crowd that day that Peter, that Paul was talk, making reference to. So the gospel includes accepting that Christ died for my sins. So that's acknowledging that I'm a sinner. It also means you accept the fact that he was buried according to the scriptures and that he also arose and that we have to accept what he accomplished as was witnessed by others, okay? So the gospel is acknowledging that I've sinned, and that's where we get the Romans road, and I don't want to jump ahead of myself where we say, we got a problem. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's a penalty for our sin. What's the penalty for our sin? The wages of sin is, but the free gift of God. But God made a provision in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that while we were yet sinners, right? And the promise is in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, if we what? Confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, but the gospel includes, you haven't shared the gospel if you haven't talked about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And then ultimately, to ask someone, would you like to receive Christ, who is now alive, and willing to come into your life. So to be saved means to be delivered from the power, the penalty, and presence of sin, and ultimately the present, the, the very present, when we are taken to be with the Lord where we can't sin anymore. But the, our faith is based on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's what a person has to receive in order to be saved. I also would add, it says that Jesus is Lord. So you're believing not only that Jesus was the, that he took on the flesh, the incarnation, but that he, before the flesh, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So he says, if you confess that Jesus is curious, so salvation also includes accepting Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Yes. Again, yes, even the devil believes and trembles. Then you say, well, here's what, has anybody ever shown you in the Bible how you could, what a Christian is or how you could become a Christian? Because here's what the Bible says a Christian is. And one of the verses you could use is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 that says, if any be in Christ, He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So you could say, oh, okay. You're not going to say even the devil says he's a, he, he devil believes. 
but he's not saved. There's saving faith and dead faith. Dead faith won't get you into heaven, but saving faith in the finished work of Christ, which is evidenced through becoming a new creation. But we're going to talk about there are different types of approaches to lead people to Christ uh, who say, I've never sinned. Uh, I am a Christian. I'm on my way to heaven. I had a dream last night after I ate my pizza, and I was sitting right next to God. All those kinds of things that people will say. But you, know, you can use their answer to say, you know, the Bible actually says that a Christian is someone who recognizes, and I go right into the presentation. Yeah. So... Right. Right. Remember uh, Richard Pryor when he burned himself up free basting? One of the first things he said is, I feel born again. What does that mean? You go to John 3, and he says, except a man be born of the spirit, he cannot see the king. So that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit. So what people, uh, uh, if, if you say to uh, somebody who's Buddhist, you need to be born again. That's the worst thing that you could ever say to them because they, they want to stop being born again. They believe in transmigration where you in, or a reincarnation, and they want to reach a, a, a state of what's called nirvana where you, don't, you be, just become a part of the universe. Yes, sir. So a part of the issue is the second Corinthians, first Corinthians 2.15, 14, where it says, but the natural man does not understand the things of God, for there is foolishness unto him, there is spiritual discernment. So just keeping it basic, like I would ask the person, has anybody ever shown you in the Bible what a Christian is? Do you, do you, and then I start, have you ever sinned? Do you know what sin is? And then I'm be prepared to sin. Is, and then usually people say, that means you do wrong. Have you ever done wrong? Well, God is perfect and he's holy. And how many sins does it take to make us, to separate us from God? So, uh, so I, I, I just go back to the presentation. Of what, what does the Bible actually say about what a Christian is? So it's the simplest thing that was said already is to follow Christ. Are you following Christ? And if so, how? How? How are you following Christ? Let's talk about that. Now, if you're following Christ in the Bible, then it should match what the Bible says. And if you're not, you want to be careful because what that actually says, most people are saying, I'm, I do as good as the next person. And they're basing their, their confidence and their relationship with God based on good words. The Bible says not the result of human. We're not going to be saved by our works. But I, I would just reverse it. How, what, how, if you stood before, I don't want to jump ahead of our evangelism training, but, you know, what does the Bible say about what, who a Christian is? And then when they start telling you what that means, I do the best I can, I, I do unto others that, well, it doesn't sound like anybody has ever shown you from the Bible how you can become a Christian because this is what the Bible says about what a Christian is. Yes. Because they'll throw it back at you. Oh, this man put this together. Mm -hmm. this is, this, but you, if you even show them scripture that this is the word of God, if they had the man, mindset that man did it, that this is a book of man, then you have that battle of trying to convince them, even though man wrote the book, but th th again, it had to be experienced from the holy men of God. They, taught them how to put this word together. They need to believe in their own heart and mind in God first. Mm -hmm. And then Hebrews will teach them about 
So I believe when the Bible says be as wise as serpents but as harmless as doves is the devil will use those kind of arguments to distract people. The Bible says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of them who believe not lest they receive the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the icon of God, who is the image of God. So what people will do is they say, that was man made. Well, do you, are you, have you ever sinned? Do you believe that Jesus, I go back to the basics and not try to explain to them what they're not going to understand anyway. I believe when I, when I first got saved, I thought the Bible was a, a, a tool written by white men to control black people. And really that was a justification for me to continue to sin. I didn't want to change. And then, I, then somebody just stayed on me with the gospel. And you do it as wise as a serpent, as homeless. You just say, well, it's like trying to explain trigonometry to a child. You know, they're not going to get it. But if you can get back to this is what it means to be a Christian, and that one day we're going to stand before God, and we will have to answer. I've actually, and I don't want to get too distracted because we don't have a lot of time, and I got to get through these lessons within a certain amount of weeks. So we're going to, let's, but those are questions that uh, as we get through our evangelism training, we'll be able to give you specific approaches. But the key thing is to recognize that the devil wants to distract from the main thing. We want to keep the main thing the main thing. Is what does the Bible actually say about being a Christian? Sometimes I, I would be witnessing the people and a preacher right next to me be cussing somebody out or jumping, all right, we're going to do all that at our church. And so the very tool that the devil uses is somebody religious to distract the person. So in those instances, I say, well, can we talk over here? Or can I come back and talk with you later? Because the devil will do everything that he can to keep the main thing not the main thing. And sometimes all we're doing is sowing a seed. I witnessed to a guy one time. His life was so much better than mine. I just was embarrassed. I, wasn't, I just gave him the abundant life. Here, here read this. <laughs> and two years later, I came back. He was leading the men's ministry at Christian Stronghold. He got saved. He said, man, I'm so glad you gave me that book. I, his name Rudy, is Rudy Ellis. Godly man. He wasn't even saved. I'm saved living like a devil. And I, I just said, here, man, <laughs> take this book. And I was planting a seed, and the boy got saved and, and uh, still walking with the Lord today, and he gave, you know, was grateful that I was willing to do that. But we want to plant the seed. Don't be distracted by what the devil will use to keep us off topic. That's what Jehovah's Witnesses do. They, they cherry pick from the scriptures. They'll talk about um, uh, climate change. Who don't want to talk about climate change? Who don't want to talk about paradise heaven, paradise earth? But when, and they have a script that they get. I, I used to go to the, to the kingdom hall, and they tell, they, they, they role play as part of their discipleship. And then they let the new person come, and they talk while the veteran, I, and I say, I'll listen. This is how I would witness to Jehovah's Witness. I said, look, I'm going to let you in, and I'll listen to what you have to share. But when I respond, can I talk to the, to the trainee? So, uh, but we don't want to be distracted from the gospel. The word, the gospel works. It is the power of God unto salvation. Okay, let's quickly go through uh, lesson two. This is where we start. That, I was asking you about who led you to Christ because the, the first thing that happened to me is I questioned my salvation. What, did anybody question their salvation after you got saved? Why? Well, sometimes you do stuff or you say stuff or you act a certain way. I still like fighting. <laughs> I like to fight. So, you say, if I was a Christian, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't right. have said that, you know, but that doesn't have anything to do with your salvation. You know what I did? To be, feel like I was saved, I go to these meetings. I spoke in tongues. I have leaped over chairs. I have been oiled down with Crisco, water from the Jordan. 
I'm serious. I've been slain in the spirit. I've been prophesied over. I believed it all, and I walked right out that church into the girls' dorm. I did the same thing <laughs> that I did. And the Lord said that this shall not, it's always King James, thou shall never in all of the decrees and declares and we bind the enemy in all of the thoughts that you have, you will never think again. And I walked out the church door and did just what they said I wouldn't do. <laughs> and uh, because I wasn't, I thought that salvation meant that I was perfect. And so I lack the assurance. So the first thing that a new Christian needs is the assurance of salvation. It's not based on your emotions. Christians are not people who are sinless. They are people who sin less and less. He who began a good work in you, what? Will, will perform it when? How long? Until the day of Christ. So we're under construction. I didn't know that. And then as a man, I didn't have nobody to talk, no, another man to talk to about my struggles. Guilt-ridden, shamed. So we want to start with the assurance of salvation. So the assurance of salvation, discipleship starts with evangelism. As mentioned, new Christians need to be assured of their salvation. Explain. Oh, so, but we're going to go forward because we got to keep moving. You know what? All right. So, where we at? All right. We'll stop. We'll stop. We'll start with a lesson two. We'll do lesson two and three next week, okay? So, the goal is that you're going to receive this ebook that is still under construction. And the meter is still running with the guy who did it. He keeps going up on its price. But we're going to get this finished. I should have started. <laughs> I know now. I learned a lesson that all of the editing and everything is supposed to be done before you send it to people. And uh, even if you and you need to get it edited by people who actually can do it, because they were like, "How many a thousand errors?" <laughs> Grammatically, and since the price is a bad girl, she's a bad girl. She's a bad girl. She's a bad girl. I don't want her to leave the church, though. <laughs> she's looking at my materials. But we started at the end, and now it's costing. So we'll, we'll get better at it going forward. So next time, I want you, you, you will get a copy of the student's handbook, the completed student's handbook. will have blanks in it. It'll have scripture that you can read, and then I don't want you to fill in the blanks on your tablet. I want you to write the, 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 uh, the answers separately, and then when you come, I'm going to give you the answers. You can just put them on that way. Okay? All right. Any questions? I pray.